All right, let's turn the Word of God to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26 in the Word of God. Acts 26. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And we'll uh, begin, we'll mention some other verses, but we'll begin reading in verse 13. Verse 13 of Acts 26 says this in the Word of God. Acts 26, verse 13 says, of course, you know, uh, uh, Paul, he's, uh, you know, been taken prisoner, and of course, he's uh, uh, already uh, uh, spoken before uh, uh, Festus and, and others, but now he gets his chance before King Agrippa. <coughs> so he says some other things, but of course, uh, we just talked about giving your story. Here, Paul gives his story and his testimony, and uh, one of my uh, uh, favorite portions of Scripture where he gives his testimony right here. So he's talking about that, beginning in verse 13 of Acts 26 says, And at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, and I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by the faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day. Amen. That's why we're all able to continue unto this day. Amen. By the help of God, witnessing both the small and great, saying none of the things than those which the prophets of Moses did say should come. Verse 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning hath, doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom I also speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God, not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor and Bernice, and they that sat with them. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. And Lord, we're glad that we can say, as Paul said, I continue into this day because God has been good to me. Lord, we thank you for being good to us. We thank you for watching over us another week. And then, Lord, we get to start another one right where we should, in the house of God. 
gathered with the people of God around the word of God. So, Lord, I pray for each one that's here. I pray for each one that's listening, dear God, that you would, you would help them, dear God. You would, you would strengthen them in the inner man with might by the Holy Spirit. Lord, give people what they need today spiritually. Lord, if there's somebody here, somebody listening that needs to be saved, oh, God, we pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take the word of God and do a mighty work in that heart and draw that one under thee this day. Or perhaps there's somebody saved, God, that just needs to uh, get some things uh, back in order, God, work in that heart and convict that heart and help them to make the right decision. Lord, I pray those that just need some grace to keep on keeping on. Lord, give them what they need. God, we are dependent upon you. We're glad about that and we confess that, Lord God, not only that we need thee every hour, but we desire thee. Uh, so Lord, I pray, God, that you would just uh, move uh, dear God, amongst your uh, people and in your place today. Lord, we pray uh, for these other prayer requests. Lord, we think of Stephanie. Lord, we think of these that Brother Thomas mentioned and many among us, again, with physical needs. Lord, please uh, help them as well. So we commit ourselves in these things to you, Lord, that Jesus Christ might get the glory thereby and that through these things, Lord, you would build your local church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Boy, just a, a, a wonderful portion of Scripture here. But uh, we're going to look at a few words here in a moment. But before we get to those, notice uh, verse 18. In verse 18, we see this is what God wants to do in people's lives through the power of the gospel. What does God want to do in people's lives? He, well, he wants to open their eyes, right? People are blind. They've been blinded by Satan. Their minds are blinded. And so God wants to open their eyes to truth, amen, and help them to see and understand who Jesus Christ really is and what and to turn them from darkness to light. Because as long as people are in their sin, as long as they're away from Jesus Christ, they are living in darkness. And we want them to come to the light. That is always God's principle, amen? God's principle is always to move from darkness to light. He put that very thought in his creation. I mean, in the first book of the Bible, when it says the evening and the morning were the first day. God put that principle there because, you know, we get it backwards. We want to go from morning to evening. Man's desire is to go from light to darkness, amen? Men prefer darkness, right, rather than light because their deeds are evil. But God wants to move us from darkness to light. He put that principle all through the Word of God. And so he wants them to move from darkness to light. And look at this, and from the power of Satan unto God. As long as people are lost, as long as they're in their sin, they're under the power and control of Satan. Whether they realize it or not, they might think they're in control of their lives. But Satan has power in their lives. Satan has authority in their lives. Satan has influence in their life, amen, as long as they are in their sins. So we want to say, God wants to see them come, amen, under the power of God. And of course, we know the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Why? That they might receive forgiveness of sin. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Amen. Amen. Paul preached this 2,000 years ago, but in 2021, amen, God is still in the soul-saving, sin-forgiving business. And what an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Notice that word inheritance. Well, who normally gets an inheritance? Well, the first people you think of is the family. Amen. And so God wants to put people in the family of 
God. Amen. So they can get in on the inheritance. Amen. The blessing that he has for them. And again, uh, for that uh, uh, to take place, we see verse 20. Notice what it says here. He's taught, Paul talks about how he got saved and how what the Lord called him into it. And he says how he went and preached. And he says this in verse 20, but showed first unto them in Damascus. Well, he, why'd he go to Damascus first? Well, because he was already near there. Amen. He was on his way to Damascus. Amen. No, no, don't turn around and go back. Amen. When you're halfway there, amen, don't turn around and go back. Amen. Keep moving forward. So he already went to Damascus and at Jerusalem and through all the coast of Judea. Well, he just got on fire. He just went everywhere preaching the gospel and then to the Gentiles that they should what? Repent. That is a Bible word. You know, a lot of people, when they witness and they sow when they, they leave out that word repent, they say, well, that makes people nervous, you know. Can we tell them, you know, just believe, you know. No, we, the Bible doesn't teach an easy believism. Well, it's easy to believe once God's done the work in your heart and you understand, amen. But the word repent is in the Bible, right? People, people need to be convicted of their sin. People need to understand their sin. They, people need to understand the price that they're sin cost Jesus Christ. Amen. Because he died and shed his blood. Amen. We rejoice in that story. But you need to realize he did it because of your sin. Amen. And you people need to repent of that sin that sent Jesus to uh, the cross. And not only they, they repent of what they do, you know, a lot of times we get sidetracked uh, uh, by what people do, but it's what we are. We are a sinner. And so we're not just repenting of what we did, we're repenting of what we are. Because if we just look at what we do, we can always find somebody that did worse than us. Amen. You might not have done as bad as they did, but you are as bad as they are because you're the same thing. Right? We may not always manifest in the same way. We might not always get into sin the, to the same degree, but we are born sinners, and so we're all the same thing. So we're not just repenting of what we've done. We're repenting of what we are and realizing that. And what? And turn. Boy, I, I, I know people, I've, I've heard people, uh, I know when they talk about soul winning, when you use the word turn, well, why, that's a work. You tell people to turn, why, that's a work. Well, <laughs> no, it's an action, amen? It's an action that needs to take place. You need to turn from your sin and repent of your sin and turn to God. And what? And notice this, and do works, meet for repentance. Now, that, that's not teaching that you have to do works to get saved. But once you get saved, there ought to be some works that show you're saved, right? You see, that word meet means this, corresponding to or suitable to. So what that word, verse is saying, hey, people need to get saved. Once they get saved, amen, there ought to be something in their life that corresponds to the fact that they got saved. There ought to be some evidence that they got saved. Matthew 3, 8 says, bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. In other words... When someone gets saved, there should be a evidence of a changed life. There should be evidence of a changed life. And like they say, there's no way something as big as God gets inside of you and he don't show up somewhere, amen? If something as big as God gets inside you, he ought to show up somewhere. He ought to show up in the way you talk. He ought to show up in the way you think. He ought to show up in the, the actions and, and decisions of your life. There ought to be, amen, uh, evidence of a changed life. That's what the Bible teaches. And notice again, verse 22 Says, Paul says this, having therefore obtained help of God, 
I continue unto this day. Well, we can all give a hearty amen right there, amen. Well, I look at these precious uh, senior saints in our church and say, man, how can you still be going? I'm sure if I was to ask uh, a Brother Muxlow or Brother Thomas or Sister Barnett or some of uh, you others, man, how are you still going? He said, oh, by the help of God, God's been my helper every day since I got saved, amen. He helps me and gives me what I need. So we can say amen with Paul right here. But he says, I continue into this day. Well, Paul, what do you continue doing this day? Witnessing. Boy, that's what we need to do, amen? Boy, as long as God has us in this world, amen, we need to continue what? Witnessing both the small and great. Don't be a respecter of persons. Everybody needs the gospel, amen? Uh, uh, listen, uh, 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 Jeff Bezos, you know what he needs? He needs the gospel if he's not saved. Doesn't matter who they are. The president needs the gospel if he's not saved. Both the small and great saying what? Now, notice what it says here, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. What's Paul saying here? He said, doesn't matter. He said, doesn't matter where I went, I did the same thing. I just gave them the book. I just gave them the book. You see, when you are witnessing, no need to try and impress people, impress people with your intelligence or lack thereof, whichever the case might be. Amen. No use trying to uh, uh, fool people with that, right? Just give them the book. This is all people need. You, we don't need to sit there and try and reason with that and say, find out what their background is and all that stuff so you can reason and go back and forth with them. No, uh -uh. just give the Word of God. If you give the Word of God, the Word of God through the Spirit of God will get the job done in people's hearts, in people's minds, in people's lives. Just study the book and give people the book. This is everything people need is found right here in the Word of God. I don't need to, I, they, they may be atheists, but I don't, I don't need to sit there and argue about uh, the existence of God and all those things. Nothing wrong with using some of those verses. But just give people uh, the book. So, and then, so he gets preaching, and then Festus, Festus gets up and says something, and he says, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Notice this, much learning doth make thee mad. But Paul says this, Paul said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. So Paul says this, he says, man, he says, I'm not mad. He says, I'm glad, amen. I'm not mad, I'm glad. He said, listen, it's not what I know that may be this way. It's who I know that may be this way. You think that because I learned something I'm this way? Oh no, it's not what I know that may be this way. It's who I know. Hey, listen, uh, I, I, uh, since I got saved, I've learned a lot of things. I've read the word of God. I, don't, I can't remember how many times I've read the Bible through, right? And how many things I've studied uh, concerning uh, 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 the word of God and, and, and other things, amen? But listen, what's, uh, why am I still excited? It's because, amen, of who I know, the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I'm saved, amen? I know I don't have a knowledge that was pumped into my head. I have a transformation that has taken place in my life through the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, on the day that I believed in Jesus Christ, repented of my sins and turned to 
God and put my trust in his shed blood and his death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, that was by way of introduction, amen, by way of introduction, as they say. But I just want to focus on three words real quick, three words uh, here. And we find them in verses 28 and 29. Again, look there. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. Notice three words, almost persuaded and altogether. Almost persuaded and altogether. Now that word almost, look at that for a moment, means nearly or partly. Boy, how many almost stories have you heard? It seems like we all have an almost story in our life, right? Oh, I almost. Well, I remember uh, uh, one time uh, uh, watching the, uh, the, the show uh, uh, Shark Tank, right? Uh, uh, Ari asked me if I, I watched that the other night. I, was probably, I confess it's probably the only show I watch. I like the business show. But there was, there was a guy on there, and he was, he was trying to get them to buy into this clothing line. He, he came up with, and it was just a bad idea anyways. And so anyways, and they're like, well, what made you come up with this idea? He said, what do you do? And the guy goes, well, actually, I'm a lawyer. And he said, he said actually, uh, several years ago when I was a young, struggling lawyer, this guy came by that was starting his own clothing line. And he asked me if I would help him with some paperwork. And then he asked me, hey, he said, hey, instead of me paying you, I'm starting this company. Can I just give you some stock in my new company, right? And we sort of traded off that way. He said, well, I asked my wife about it, and she said, listen, we don't need some stock in a startup, amen. We need money. He said, so I took the money. And they said, well, what was the name of that company? He said, Under Armour. <laughs> he said, how much would that stock be worth? He said, probably about $250 million. Boy, I imagine, I imagine, boy, every time he, he, he you know, went to the sporting store and he saw Under Armour, he'd go, almost, almost. Oh, that woman, almost, amen, almost. He, boy, he went through life going almost. And uh, I think of an, uh, another uh, a friend of mine, uh, uh, brother, brother, brother Spencer. He talks about his, his, his dad when him and a friend of his got out of uh, uh, World War II and they got a little bit of money when they separated, they lived in one town and they worked in another. So they would drive from the town they lived in uh, to where they worked. And his friend said, you know, that bowling's getting pretty popular. Why don't we build a bowling alley right in between these two towns? And then uh, both towns will come to it. We'll buy a piece of land out here. Let's put our money together and do that. And he said, my dad said, I ain't going to put my money in some stupid bowling alley. Well, his friend found somebody else, put a bowling alley, and now those towns have grown. Not only is it a bowling alley, it's a shopping complex, and his friend's a millionaire. He says, my dad's got a drive there all the time, and he gets mad every time he drives by. Every time he goes by, he goes, almost, almost, almost. You know, almost is a terrible way to go through life. Almost is a terrible way to go through life. We'll come back to that word in a minute. But let's look at that word persuadeth, persuadeth. Boy, you see, that's, that's what we want to do, right? We're trying to persuade people to put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And how are people normally persuaded? How do we do that? We do that by evidence, right? We try to give them the evidence concerning Jesus Christ. We try to put as much evidence as we can out there and hoping that they'll make the right decision. But, you know, uh, because people are normally persuaded by evidence. Now, here's the thing, though. King Agrippa 
he had been given the evidence. In fact, he had to confess that he believed some of the evidence. He even had to confess that he believed some of the evidence that was presented. So I, I, I don't think the problem here was, I don't think it was the lack of evidence that stopped him short of believing and getting saved. It wasn't because there was a lack of evidence. I mean, he, he was a Jew. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. When Paul said, hey, the king said, hey, I'm going to let you speak, Paul. And Paul said, man, am I glad to have this opportunity to speak in front of you. Look at verse 3. He said, why? Especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. He said, hey, I'm glad to talk because you know what? I know that you understand Jewish history. And you know how God has worked mightily through Jewish history. So he had the evidence and he knew the evidence and he understood the evidence, I believe, of Jewish history. And no doubt all the stories of what God had done through the people of Israel. Notice what Paul says to him in verse 8. Look what Paul says to him in a very interesting statement. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? That shows me that Agrippa, Agrippa understood the power of God. He understood that God was an almighty being. And he said, Paul, he said, why would it surprise you knowing what you know, the evidence that you've seen, and even what you, what, what, what you believe about that, why would it surprise you that Almighty God has the power to raise somebody from the dead? He said, I don't think that shocked you, Agrippa. I believe you believe that God has that type of power, amen, to raise people from the dead. So he had the evidence that God had the power, amen, amen, to raise people from the dead. So that was evidence right there. He knew what happened to Jesus. Look at verse 26, what Paul says. He says, for the king knoweth of these things. He said, hey, we said what I'm telling you, this doesn't surprise the king what I've just said before whom I speak freely. Look at this. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. <laughs> hey, it, it hadn't been centuries since Jesus died. It had been some years back. He said, hey, Hey, uh, Agrippa knows what happened in Jerusalem on that day. I'm sure he heard about the life of Jesus Christ. I'm sure he heard about how the Jews turned against Jesus Christ and how they nailed him to the cross that day and how he was judged before Pilate. I have no doubt, amen, that Agrippa has heard about that. He has the evidence. That's something that happened not too long ago. It wasn't done in a corner. Why, everybody in this region knows what happened to Jesus Christ. Why, he's aware of that evidence concerning Jesus Christ. And then notice what he says in verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. He even confronted him. He said, listen, I know that you believe that the Bible is the word of God. I, th I know you believe what Moses said. I know you believe what the prophets said. He said he had the evidence of the word. So look at all that evidence, amen. He had the evidence of Jewish history. He had the evidence, amen, of the power of God. He had the evidence of what happened to Jesus. He had the evidence of God's word. And then he had just listened to Paul. 
He had just heard the gospel, and now he knew a clear presentation of the gospel that Jesus came to turn men from darkness to light and that, that people need to repent, amen, and turn to God. And he heard Paul's testimony about how his life, he had heard Paul's personal testimony about how his life had been transformed through the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. Now think about this. When someone is given the gospel and evidence concerning Jesus Christ, I want to say this, I rarely believe, I, 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 I believe it is rarely a fault they find in the message. <laughs> they don't believe because they find a fault in the message. They don't believe because there's a lack of evidence concerning Jesus Christ. There's plenty of evidence. Now, historical evidence. Now, we don't need that historical evidence because we have biblical evidence. And because we have biblical evidence and we're Bible believers, we look at the Word of God and say, this is our authority. We need no other evidence. But if you were looking for it, you could find it in history. But we have the Word of God and we have all the evidence we need of who Jesus Christ is, that He is God. Amen. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the same was in the beginning with God and without Him was not anything made that was made. That Jesus Christ Himself is the Creator and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory and the glory is of the only begotten Son of God. All right? And we, as we read the other night, amen, the law came by Moses but grace and truth came by the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the evidence of who Jesus Christ is. So listen, people can make all the excuses, but it's not because there's a lack of evidence of who Jesus Christ is that they don't believe. It's not because there's fault in the message. It's not because there's a lack of evidence concerning Christ that hinders them. Pilate himself is a perfect example. Remember when Pilate was judging Jesus? Look, in John 19, 4, he said this. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know I find no fault in him. Pilate said, I find no fault in this person, Jesus, that is standing before me. And you see, he had the evidence. The evidence was right before him. He said, Hey, I find no fault in the evidence. But yet, even though he found no fault in the evidence, he still rejected Jesus Christ and told them to go crucify him. Even though he had said it three times, I find no fault in him. And if people are honest, if people are honest, even if they reject Jesus Christ, they have to admit there's no fault in the evidence. Amen. There's plenty of proof of who Jesus Christ is. There's plenty of proof. Amen. Of why he came and why he died and why he shed his blood. Amen. They don't have to look any further than their own heart to see that the word of God is true. They know they're a sinner. And they should know that they're guilty before a holy God. And one day they're going to face that holy God. He, he said at least three times, yet he still rejected him. So I don't think the problem so much is the evidence that that's why they reject Jesus Christ. But I can think of at least three reasons, among others, that maybe King Agrippa really rejected Jesus Christ. One, position. Position. He was the king. He was a Jew with a high position in a country controlled by Rome. And perhaps he was afraid he would lose everything. 
You know, so it, it wasn't lack of evidence. I believe one of the reasons that many people reject Jesus Christ or they hold back, even though they've seen the evidence, even though they know it's the right thing to do, yet they reject him. And many people reject Christ because of what they are afraid they will have to give up. They're afraid of what they'll have to give up. They're afraid of what they might have to lose. Oh, why do I want eternal life? I might lose all these temporary things. Boy, think about that. <laughs> I might have to lose all these temporary things to get eternal life. So one reason that people reject Jesus Christ, even though the evidence is clear, is because they're afraid of what they might have to give up in society's eyes. Next, another reason that people reject Jesus Christ, even though the evidence is clear. And perhaps another reason that, 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 that Agrippa rejected Christ at this time was personal. Personal. Perhaps there was something in his personal life he did not want to deal with or give up. Notice the name Bernice. You see it several times when you read Acts 25 and Acts 26. You see that Agrippa was there with Bernice. You see her name in verse 30. And the governor and Bernice. Do you know who Bernice was? Bernice was his sister. And they were having an inappropriate relationship as brother and sister because her husband had died and they had entered into an inappropriate relationship. So he knew there was a relationship he would have to give up. And he wasn't willing to give up that relationship to get a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's sad that many people put off getting saved because there is a particular sin, a particular situation, or something else they don't want to have to confront or confess to receive Jesus Christ. Where there's that little thing, that little thing, for whatever reason, they'd rather hold on to that little sin or that little, whatever it is, they don't want to let go of it and receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. What in the world could be, what, what relationship could be more important than a personal, daily, active relationship, amen, with the living God through the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, what relationship could be greater than that? What relationship could bring you more than that than a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, Position, maybe it was that. Personal, or maybe peers. The peer pressure was just too great. Sometimes that gets to the young people, but even others. Now remember there, Festus the governor was there among others. Again, look at verse 30. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up and the governor, Festus, and Bernice. Boy, I said, I don't know. I got, yeah, I got, I got Festus over here. I got Bernice over here. And look at what it says. And they that sat with him, and there were others around there with him. Maybe it was Peer pressure. Boy, what a, what a, what a sad, sad thing. Think about this. It is amazing how we allow what others might think about us to hold us back from doing the right thing in our life. We the way other people, not just, just you know, forget the peer pressure. But think about, you know, uh, uh, back when you were in high school. How many, how many of you, boy, I got to raise my hand, maybe both hands did stupid things because of peer pressure, <laughs> right? Oh, man. And, how, and those people that you allowed to influence you to do something stupid, 
How many of them, do, where are they today? How many of you know where they are today? How many of you that they're still part of your life? How many of them, right? And, and yet back then, and you know what? Same thing today, you're going to let people influence you. Young people, you're going to let in people influence you to make wrong decisions, wrong decisions against the word of God, decisions that are going to harm your life, decisions that don't bring glory to your beloved Savior. You're going to allow people to peer pressure you Amen? And make wrong decisions. And these are people that if they really cared about you, they'd want you to make the right decision. If people really, listen, people that really care about you don't want you to do the wrong things. People that really care about you want you to do the right things. Sometimes when I talk to people about certain sins and they'll think, they'll think I'm being mean or hateful. You know what I say? I say, no, let me tell you something, friend. I care about them more than you do. Because you don't care if they die in their sin. You don't care if they stay in their sin. I care about them. Jesus cares about them because he wants to deliver them from that sin. And he wants to save them. And he wants to give them eternal life. And he wants to have a relationship with them. So don't tell me, amen, that I'm being mean because I point out a particular sin. I do it. We do it. Amen. God does it because we love you and he loves you. And he wants to draw you unto himself. Amen. So you can be part of the family and get in on that precious inheritance. Well, I've seen over the years, again, it's usually not the evidence without that people can't deal with. It's usually not the evidence without. It's not because they don't believe the Bible is the word of God. You know, he, he said, hey, I know you believe the prophets. It's not because they haven't heard of Jesus, right? Especially in America. This thing was not done in a corner. Right? It's not because they don't know uh, the history of it. They know that. The problem isn't the evidence without they can't deal with. It's the evidence within that they have a problem to deal with. But if you're ever, ever going to get the benefit of the evidence without, you're going to have to deal with the evidence within. You're just going to have to make that decision and say, listen, I'm ready to junk all this. I know I'm wasting my life. I'm not getting any younger. I need Jesus Christ. The evidence is clear. The evidence is clear. Again, it says here, Agrippa believed. Here's the thing. Agrippa believed in the things of God. He had just never believed on God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He believed the things of God, like we see here, but he never believed on. People say, oh, I'm fine. I, I, I believe in God. Well, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says the devil believes in God and trembles. The devil believes. Listen, hey, you believe in God, you're no better than the devil. He believes in God, and he trembles. And boy, that's what you should do if you're not saved. You should tremble before God, tremble before the evidence, tremble before the fact that you're in your sin any day, any moment. You could bust hell wide open because you rejected Jesus Christ up to this point in your life and you need him. You see, Agrippa, his intellect had been instructed. Yeah, I believe all that. His emotions had been stirred. But see, but here's the problem. His will was unyielding. And you see, it's always a matter of the will. We say, oh, yeah, I, I believe that. Isn't it like, oh, yeah, I believe the history of Jesus. I believe, yeah, I've heard all that. I, yeah, yes, yes, but the problem is, amen, the will. The will. We're not here just to stir emotions, though we want people to be emotionally stirred about the things of God. 
Our prayer is that the, the Spirit of God and the Word of God, amen, would help them, amen, to, 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 to be willing to yield their will to the will of God, like our sister sang about. That's what we want. It's a matter, it's, in other words, if it's a matter of the will, that means it's a matter of making a conscious, purposeful decision. How did I get saved? Because on that day, May 19, 1987, when the gospel was given to me, when the evidence was given to me, amen, and, and by the grace of God and through faith from the word of God, right, I said, I believe that evidence, amen, and you know what? I'm going to act upon that evidence. Right now, I'm going to bow my head and repent of my sin Put my trust, amen, in the evidence, amen, the truth that it says about Jesus Christ. I willingly did that, amen. And when I willingly yielded, God willingly saved me, amen, and birthed me into his family. What goodness, what grace. Acts 26, 28. Again, Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. But you know what, almost? That word means nearly. Nearly. Almost what it really says is, I came close, but I stayed in the same place. <laughs> I came close. I, came, I almost, I almost, but you know what? I didn't. So you know what? I stayed in the same place. And because I stayed in the same place, I stayed the same thing. See, Paul was saved because he was persuaded by the evidence. We sang the song, 1 Timothy 1.12. For which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I believe, look at this, and am persuaded. That's the difference. Agrippa said, I'm almost persuaded. And chances are he's in hell tonight. But Paul said, I am persuaded. Amen. Amen. And he's in heaven tonight. I am persuaded. Paul says, hey, I, I was won over by the evidence, amen, and put my faith in it, that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Now, look at, look at that next word, verse 20, all together. He said, I what? I, I were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. Altogether means this, wholly, entirely, completely, without exception. He says, listen, I don't wish they were almost persuaded, nearly. I wish, I want them to be wholly, entirely, completely, without exception, persuaded like I was. All together. We'll think of the two words that make up that word. All together. That means everything has been brought together. That is our prayer, that everything would be brought together. Sort of, sort of, I, I, sort of uh, I saw this yesterday. I was sitting like this, like this is the cross. I mean, he, he, here's almost, but almost doesn't get the job done, amen? We got we to gotta step over by faith and all together, amen? All together, that's what we need, amen? We don't want, we don't want almost, we don't want almost, amen? We want to step across by faith and say, amen, I'm all together. I'm holy, Without exception, I believe in who Jesus Christ is and what he did for me. He died for me and shed his blood for me and was buried and rose again the third day for me. Without exception, amen. I let go of everything without exception and receive him, amen, and everything that he's done for me without exception, amen. 
All together. That's what we want. We want all together. You know why? Because we want, I want all, all us to be together. We want to be all together in heaven. Amen. That's what we want. If we'll all believe all together, we'll all be together. Paul said, I have totally and wholly put my trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. Paul says, here's what he's saying. I'm in. Amen. I'm in. Are you? I'm in. Are you? That's what Paul is saying to that crowd. He, he, hey, look, he looked, he looked past the king. Amen. He's looking at the whole crowd. Now he's inviting whosoever will may come. We'll finish up here in a minute, but notice verse 30, what it says. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up. You see, I think the fact that they got up so quickly shows they were under sincere conviction. You know, people argue, you know, was he, was he saying you almost persuaded me or was he saying, well, you thought you had me, you know. Some people say that it's like, but I think the fact that they got up so quick shows that they were under conviction. You know, because you, because you know what I've seen? I've noticed when people are under conviction to make a decision, they want to get out quick if they're rejecting it. But they don't care what anybody thinks if they're ready to accept it. If they're under conviction, boy, they want to be the first one out the door if they want to reject it. You see, so that's the question. Do you want to be the first one out the door because you're going to reject it? Or do you want to be the first one to the altar because you're ready to receive it? That's the question. That's the question. Almost. Think about that for a moment. Almost. Boy, you think about that guy every time he, go, every time he goes to the sports store and he sees Under Armour? <laughs> Almost. Almost. Uh, brother, brother Spencer's dad, every time he goes by that bowling alley, almost, almost. Well, think about that. Wouldn't almost be a terrible way to go through eternity? I thought about this, Luke 16. We know the story about Lazarus and the rich man. They both died. I'll just give you these two verses, Luke 16, 22, 23. It says, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. <laughs> Notice Luke 16, 23, what it says. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and look at this, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now I want you to notice, he recognized Abraham, he recognized Lazarus, so that shows that we're going to recognize each other in eternity. Evidence is there, we're going to recognize each other in eternity. But can you imagine, can you imagine when he looked over and he saw Lazarus there, can you imagine being in hell? Can you imagine being in hell, which is bad enough, but seeing people you know, seeing loved ones? That's my son. That's my daughter. Hey, those are my friends. Seeing loved ones enjoying heaven and then knowing you could have been there. And the words, almost, 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 rolling out of your lips. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing to have to, to look up and just go through life? It's bad enough being in hell, but then with your good memory, remembering that day you heard the gospel. Remember that time, how many times somebody presented you with the gospel. And for whatever reason, was it if it was the position or some person or peer pressure, whatever it was, amen, you held back. And now you got to go through eternity going almost, almost, almost. What a terrible way to have to go through eternity. So I ask you friends that are here, I ask you friends that are listening, where do you stand today? 
Are you among the almost or the altogether? Are you almost or, <laughs> glory to God, altogether? Amen. I'm all, I'm holy. I'm holy with Jesus. Amen. I'm, I'm holy with saved. Without exception. Amen. I receive who Jesus Christ is and what he's, boy, aren't you? Amen. If you can say all together this morning, don't you bless his holy name. You don't have to go through eternity saying almost, almost. Boy, what a sad thing about people. Think about our loved ones out there. Think about others that we've witnessed too. And they say, well, almost, almost. Oh, before it's too late. We pray those that we know and love. Amen. That, amen, today or someday soon, they'd go from almost to be able to say, oh, not me, amen. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I've seen the evidence. I don't believe it just intellectually. I just don't believe it because it sounds good. Amen. But I've repented of my sins. By, through his grace and by faith, amen, I put my trust all together in who Jesus Christ is. And I know that I'm saved. Amen. And I have eternal life. That amen. One day, amen, we'll all be together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this portion of scripture that challenges us. Lord, I think about, Lord, I think about loved ones, dear God. Lord, I think about one of my brothers right now. I think about others, dear God, that I've witnessed to down through the years. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here, somebody listening that they're at that Almost point. Lord, I pray today you'd get them across the line to the altogether point. Lord, if they're here, help them to come forward so we can take them through the Word of God and make sure they understand. Lord, if it's if it's somebody that's listening, Lord, help them to to call somebody they know that is saved or call us or something, dear God. But Lord, please, please help them to set aside position, personal, whatever it is, dear God, and say, this is the day. This is the day I go from almost to altogether. Have your will and way in each heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What song do you have? Let's just go ahead and close our eyes and bow our head for a moment just before we sing this song. And if you know somebody, if you know a loved one or a friend or somebody you can think of right now that you've witnessed to and they're still in that almost stage or rejection stage, whatever it is, just take a moment. Let's just have a moment of silence to pray for them.